Our Father and our God, first and foremost, we we thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, for um, allowing us the opportunity to to come into your house this morning and and study your word. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us to have to to lift up others, to to bring to you our our concerns. Father, we we thank you for your um, listening ear. And Father, we thank you that you have a desire to, to love on us even when we're unlovable. We ask, Father, for your guidance and your direction for the leaders of our, our country as they uh, continue to make decisions that affect so many people. Father, we pray for those that are, are sick, those that are having sickness that comes and goes, those that are battling COVID or, or awaiting tests or whatever the scenario may be. We just pray for... Um, your presence to be seen and felt in everything that's taking place. Right now, Father, I I thank you for the opportunity that we have to take part in this communion service. I thank you, Father, for allowing us the opportunity to be reminded of the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. I pray, Father, that you would open our hearts and minds and we would be attentive um, to, to you and your word this morning. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to block out and lock out all the other things that that tend to run through our minds and distract us from your desires and and your word. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We will have our communion service this morning, and um, I ask you to kind of focus and and, uh, concentrate on on what we're doing here and the purpose of what we're doing. I ask you to uh, be mindful of those around you. Um, it, it, your mind does not have neutral. Um, you can't just think about nothing. So I would ask you to uh, concentrate this morning and think about what it is that we're remembering and the significance of, of what took place on our behalf. That without this sacrifice and without this bloodshed and without this broken body, we didn't have a chance to find our way back to a right standing with our maker this was the only chance that we had so i will remind you that that in this this morning the top layer comes off and and there is a a wafer in there um, of some sort it may be plastic it may be rubber it may be but the key to remember is it doesn't really matter what it is it's what it represents and what it represents spiritually is the broken body of Jesus Christ that's where our mind has to be this morning because we may find ourselves in a place where we're even worse than what we're fixing to put in our mouth here but as long as we do this as this sacrament as a reminder of what the realization is that's what's important so before we take of this bread cracker plastic, whatever it may be. We want to thank God for His broken body. Y'all pray with me. Our Father and our God, we do come to you this morning to say thank you for, for the, your, your broken body. Thank you for, for what you've done on our behalf. Thank you, Father, for allowing your Son to sacrifice so that we don't have to. We thank you for His broken body that paid a sin debt that we don't want to have to pay. We thank you. We love you. We pray this in his holy name. 
Amen. And next, next was the, uh, the cup, the, the fruit of the vine um, that was passed. And again, <clears throat> our, uh, grape juice or, or, or I mean, I'm assuming, we'll find out in a minute. We've had these things and opened them up and they be the wrong color. You know what I mean? But none of that matters because it physically is just a juice. Spiritually, though, it represents the shed blood of Jesus Christ that covers a multitude of sins. And without that shed blood, again, we don't have a chance. We can look in history and, and all of man and see that doing it for ourselves was not going to work. There had to be another way. And that other way was the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So as we do this this morning and remember the sacrifice He made on our behalf, let's also remember that He loved us while we were still unlovable. That He made this sacrifice when we weren't worth sacrificing for. Father, we thank You for the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We know, Lord, that it's, it's just fruit of the vine. It's just, it's just juice, Father. But we also understand that it represents so much more than that. We understand that it represents the shed blood of our Savior and our Lord. We thank you, Father, for giving us a way to have a right relationship with you. And we thank you for the sacrifice that was made to make that opportunity possible. And again, it's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start reading in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore. You may be seated.
Um, I don't know how far uh, into that we'll get this morning. My thinking is probably not past verse 10. Because I think we have some very, very steep um, instruction to go along with. Um, and although I may reference other, other books of the Bible, uh, my goal this morning is to stay right here in Ephesians. But we will go back to some other places in Ephesians and try to get a grasp on exactly what Paul is talking about when he talks about the strength of his might to be strong in the Lord. And I, and I told part of this in Sunday school this morning because, believe it or not, we're also studying out of the book of Ephesians in, in Sunday school, and it kind of overlaps for me, so it's hard for me not to share the things that are on my mind when I'm doing that. But throughout the course of the last couple of weeks, multiple people um, have called me for counsel or, or whatever, and, and uh, you know, what do I do and how do I respond and what should I do and, and that kind of thing. And um, even a couple of them, man, it's just so much. I don't know that I can do this kind of mentality. Um, and, you know, my, my response has been, first thing you got to do is stop relying on you. Because you're right, you can't handle it. You're right, you can't do it. You're right, you, these decisions you can't make. So you've got to stop relying on you and you've got to start relying on God and you've got to get yourself in a place where you are fully and completely relying on God's strength and not your strength. On God's abilities and not your abilities. On God's knowledge and not your knowledge. Because all of these things are limited for you and I and completely unlimited. As a matter of fact, the scripture this morning will tell us that it is immeasurable. For God. So that's the source of where we got to get to. Now I will fess up and tell you just exactly what I told them. I, two of the three that I talked to this week in the conversation I told them, now I understand that me telling you this is easy when this is at your house. And I understand that telling you this and saying this is, is not near as hard as you got to go walk it out. And I understand that it gets harder when it moves into my house. And lo and behold, yesterday, about midday, it moved in at my house. And my mind goes to trying to make these decisions. As my, I was there. I was in the front yard working on my father-in-law's truck. Had a few parts I needed to put on for him. I was going to do it yesterday morning. It poured down rain. I didn't get to. Found a little dry weather yesterday afternoon. And I went to tearing his truck apart and putting some parts on. And my wife called. She was in Florence on their way back. They went on a little shopping trip, and she called and said, I need you to go check on Dad. And I said, well, I'm right here in the front yard. What do you need? She said, well, he's, he's having to take a nitroglycerin. Things ain't right. I need you to take him to the hospital. Well, my, my whole, I mean, that just, you know how it is. I mean, that just absolutely upsets everything. And what starts going through my mind is, so where do I take him? What do I do? How do I get him to go? Which hospital? Do I have time to get him further than... Pulaski, do, you know, I'm not his child. I don't need to be making these decisions. All, and your mind's just swirling. And you know what I figured out? Is the advice that I had given for the last two weeks is great. But just what I said, it's easy to say when it's at Chris's house, when it's at Ralph's house. 
It's a whole different ball game when I've got to actually do it. In other words, it's not what my nature was. It's not what came automatic to me. I had to stop, slow things down, and think through it and go, you know what? That was grand advice. I should try it and stop relying on my ability, my knowledge, my decision-making, right? And start relying on God's strength. What we see here in, in what we've read is, what, what we've been looking at is, is Paul, and Paul does this a couple of times throughout this book, where he's talking to specific groups of people, and then all of a sudden, he changes it back and pulls everybody back in. Alright, so in this particular case, starting up here in, in chapter uh, 5, verse 20, them numbers are little, verse 25, he's talking to husbands and wives, right? Then he goes to talking to children and parents in chapter 6. And then he goes to talking to bond servants and masters. Now he goes to, some translations say, finally brethren. Our ESV just says, and finally. So now he's reeling everybody back in and, he, and he's got something he's about to say that is applicable across the board. It's not just two parents it's not just two children, it's not just two husbands, it's not just for the wives, it's not just for, it's for everybody. Everybody listening needs to hear this, finally. And, it, and it's kind of a, his final exhortation, he's about to wrap things up, and, he, and he's going he's gonna to drop the big one right here, right? He's going to lay it all out and make it all make sense. If you go back through Ephesians and you look at what all Paul has covered during this time, you'll see he's, he's talked about, um, the circumcised and uncircumcised. He's talked to Jews and he's talked to Gentiles and he's talked about the two and their traditions. And, and now the, the mystery of the gospel is that the, the Gentiles have been brought into this fold and they are now heirs just like you. And, and he's went through all of these different things throughout the book of Ephesians. And now he gets down to the end of this thing and here's the realization. All of this stuff he's told us is impossible in and of ourselves. In other words, you can't be the husband he just entrusted you to be by yourself. You can, it is impossible for you to be the wife that God expects the wife to be in and of yourself. You can't be the child. You can't be the parent. You can't be the bondservant. And you can't be the master that has been laid out before us in and of yourself. It's not possible. As a matter of fact, what you'll find is if you study these scriptures, the majority of the things that God requires of you are impossible for you to do by yourself, on your own abilities, on your own understanding, on your own strength, on your own knowledge. But what makes them possible, just the same scenario we're looking at right here, finally, look at this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So now it ain't about what you're able to do or what you're capable of doing because what I'm capable of doing is right next to nothing. 
Matter of fact, I had somebody ask me the other day, not, long, not too long ago, I walked into a place I ain't never been before, and I fell her in there, and I was kind of nervous because I was in a place that I'd always been told you probably don't need to hang out there. Um, those people ain't just exactly nice. And I go into this little store to grab me some lunch, and, and it's this big burly guy in there, and I mean bigger and burlier than me. And he goes, who are you? And I went, uh-oh, here's where it goes south. And I said, I'm nobody without Christ. And he said, me too. I said, well, good, we've got something in common. I may get out of here with my skin. <laughs> Without Christ, we are, we are nobodies. The only identity we have is what we find in Christ. And, and that's where Paul's trying to point us back to, and that's where Paul is obviously trying to point this church back to, is, is the fact that my strength is... Listen, the problem is, is we're trying to fight a spiritual war with carnal tools, carnal weapons. And you'll lose every time. My mind always goes to, and it happened to me yesterday when everything started, and I talked about that this morning. We were in a different part of Ephesians, and, and, and we may look at it, we may not get that far, but my mind always, because I'm a carnal being, I'm a human wrapped in flesh just like you are, my mind always goes to the physical side of everything. That's, that's my first reaction. When I, start, when I start praying for anything in particular, most of the time the thing I want to pray about, and I'm not saying it's not okay to pray for physical, but that shouldn't be the central focus. Instead of praying for, for Devon to get better and get well, Instead of praying for Amanda to be safe traveling back and forth and her mom to be safe and her sister to be safe and me to be concerned with everything that's physical, my first reaction should be praying for their spiritual well-being. Because if you're in a good place spiritually, does the physical really matter? Now, I'm not saying we should never pray for somebody's physical well-being. I'm not saying that at all. But that shouldn't be the central focus of everything that our mind revolves around. There should be an automatic element where you and I, something's triggered. And remember, we're different from the rest of the world, right? So if the world agrees with the way we're doing things, <laughs> we're probably doing it wrong. See, my, my initial reaction should be to pray for their spiritual well-being. Let me, let me I'm going, I'm going, stats are real big right now, right? Everybody wants a stat, the latest this stat, the latest COVID stat. I'm going to give you one that's a shocker. Ten out of ten people die. That's a hundred percent. A hundred percent of the people that walk this earth leave this earth. So knowing that, shouldn't our number one concern for any given individual be their spiritual well-being? Because also 100%, everybody, 10 out of 10 people, spend eternity somewhere. And there's only two options. So my, my number one concern with that kind of knowledge should be your spiritual well-being. I should be big enough, mature enough as a Christian to let you know and let you understand that my number one concern for you is your spiritual well-being not your physical well-being. And although your physical well-being is a portion of my concern, right? We, we are concerned about people's physical well-being. 
it can't be number one for me. Because as a Christian, I have an understanding that 10 out of 10 people, you may not die from this. You may, Devon may re completely recover from this one. But eventually, so his spiritual well-being is key regardless of what state he's in physically. Because although I'm in good right now, I mean, I'm a picture of health, right? Look at me. I mean, people like Connor dream of being in a condition like me, right, Connor? I mean, I'm just, but tomorrow, I am not guaranteed. Regardless of how healthy I am today, tomorrow I could just very well be gone. So then what does it matter what physical condition I was in yesterday? Does any of this make sense to anybody but me? Listen, God's put me in a place this past week to do a lot of thinking. I feel sorry for y'all. Let's go back and get an understanding of what Paul's talking about when he talks about to be strong in the Lord and in the strength. Let's look at what his strength looks like. Look, go back with me to uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll read 3 through 9. And, and it's going to take some doing and some tying, so y'all bear with me and, and go with me as we break down a, a few of these scriptures so that we can walk out of here with an understanding of, of what, it, what God's strength looks like. Ephesians 1.3, we'll put these up here on the, you can read along with us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Look at this in verse 4. Even as He chose in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He, verse 5, predestined us for the adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Verse 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our sins, <clears throat> our, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. Now the first thing we've got to understand before we begin to try to understand God's strength is the importance of depending on God. I see you, I see you. And this importance starts right here in Ephesians in chapter 1. And if you look at what we read from, from verse 3 to verse 9, if you, would, if you would take a pen and just mark, or a highlighter and just mark, every time it says that He did something or that it was His will. You'll notice that no part of this does God say that He done it because of who I am. Right? He chose me. He predestined me. It doesn't matter who my parents are. It doesn't matter what my traditions are. My skin, it, doesn't, it has nothing to do with anything about me. It's all about God and His decisions and His desires. Now... Predestination is a topic that ain't taught in very many Baptist churches. We'll just go on and get it out in the open. Yeah. 
But this ain't about my traditions and my teachings and my, my denomination. This is about what the Word of God says. And, and, and we can read this and go through this, and it's been taught here, and I'm sure it'll be taught again at some point. But I'm telling you, there's no denying what Paul said in the chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And what he said was, is my well-being ain't got nothing to do with me. My blessings that he pours on me ain't got nothing to do with me. The knowledge that he lavishes on me ain't got nothing to do with me. The fact that he chose me, the fact that he predestined me, don't got nothing to do with me. Right? It's got to do with him. You've got to have that understanding or the gospel's not going to make sense. That, this is one of the things that is a big hang-up for a lot of people is when they try to explain things like this away, they run into things in other places that they ain't, it don't make no sense with the mindset they took with them trying to explain this away. Whereas if we'll put it all together and like Kevin said, let Scripture define Scripture, let, let Scripture interpret Scripture, then it all works together and it makes sense. This is one of those areas. Now, I'm not here this morning to preach on the subject of predestination and you being chose, but I'm here to point it out to you that in the very same book that I'm getting the rest of this stuff is, it starts out with this right here. With Paul telling this church, these people, that the reason... Look at it. Let's go back and read some of it again. Verse 4. Even as He, as he God, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. Anybody want to sign up on your ability to become holy and blameless? Huh? Where, we, where do you start that process of you making yourself holy and blameless? You can't. It's not possible. Alright, keep going. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. You know, God never intended when He wrote those Ten Commandments that we would somehow figure that out and learn how to live by those and that would be our path to Him. What was going on at the bottom of the mountain while Moses is at the top carving them into stone? They're down there building a golden... They're being broken, literally breaking the commandments as they're being given. So was God somehow taken aback by this and caught off guard? I think not. <laughs> no. No, so His intention was never to give us a set of laws and rules that we could follow that would get us somehow in line with His desire for us. And, and this says so much right here. It was never His plan. The plan of the Ten Commandments was for us to look at Him and go, God, I can't. I, I need something else. <laughs> I, I need you because I can't follow these. I can't do it. Because inside of each one of us, we're, I mean, we were born sinners. That's our nature. So I am a liar at the core. I am a murderer. I am a thief. I am an adulterer at the core. It's who I am. It, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything about it. By one man, sinner, sin entered all men. 
I, I have anything. To, I was just born into it. That's what I bring to the table in my case for who I am to God. Is I can step up to the podium and go, okay, God, here I am. I'm a sinner. <laughs> because that's who I am. That's the reality of my situation in this world. The, one of my favorite things that the Bible says, it says in, in, in Ephesians, and it says, but God. <laughs> but God. Because honestly, all I can do is stand before God and go, I can't. But God, out of His love, out of His blessings, out of His mercy, out of His grace, but God. Changed my story. But I can't for any reason at any time think that somehow I can take credit for what God has done in my life. I am the same as anybody else out there without Christ except I have Christ. And He chose me. Do you see my part in this? <laughs> I'm hopeless. In this world, I'm hopeless. In the things of this world, I'm hopeless. If Christ doesn't do what He did on my behalf, I'm hopeless. This is why it's so important for you and I to understand that this is not about my strength or your strength. It's not about my wisdom, my knowledge, my abilities. It's about God's. And I have to be able to be fully dependent upon Him fully obedient to Him. Drop down with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. <clears throat> For this reason, because of all the things we just talked about, because in verse 11 he goes into, In Him we have attained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who, are, who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory in Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with a promised Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That's my guarantee. So if I don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me, guess what? Because the guarantee of my inheritance is the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life, and what did I do to deserve it? For this reason, Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom, and the revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. 
so that you may know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. In verse 19, And so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. Alright, we're going to stop right there for a second. We'll come back to the rest of that and look at that power. Here's Paul's prayer. For this reason I have heard of your faith and, and your love toward all the saints, and I do not cease, cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Alright, you see that this is a prayer, right? You see that this is Paul praying for this group of people. And here's what he's praying for. Look at this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation in the knowledge of Him. Alright? Paul's prayer is that these folks would be given the spirit of wisdom and that through a revelation, a knowledge of God. And here's what will happen when you get that. When that spirit of wisdom falls, when that knowledge is given, here's what happens. That the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What is the hope to which He has called us? That Christ is who He says He is, right? So that you may know what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. What are the riches of this inheritance? What is it you and I look forward to? What is it that makes us want to be a part of this and not the other? What are the riches? You've got you to understand what the riches are. Look, keep going. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe? So the only way that you have any understanding of this power is that you have the presence of the Spirit inside of you. In other words, everybody in this world does not experience this power. This is not a given because you were born. These blessings are not a given because you were born. Right? This inheritance is not a given because you was born. The experience of this power is not a given just because you were born. This is set aside for a select group of people. And that select group of people, as Paul describes it, those who believe. Those who are born again is the ones that get to experience these things. Now, does the rest of the world get a glimpse of a blessing from time to time? Sure. Sometimes I'm getting blessed and it falls off on somebody. Right? It happens from time to time. But overall, all in all, this isn't available to every single person who has ever been born into this world. This is a power and a strength and a might that only those that are God's chosen get to experience. Now watch this. What does this power look like? Have we ever seen it in action? According to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. 
where he goes on to say, far above. So, so he took Christ from the dead and raised, not just brought him back to life, but raised him up to a place far beyond. Look at this, keep on reading. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Can you see that power? Can you, can you understand? Can you get a feel for what I'm talking about this morning? The power that God has that took, not just brought a dead man to life, which takes a lot of power, right? But took Christ who was dead and raised Him to far and above and put Him in a place of authority that His name is above every name, not just those that are on this earth. His name is above every name everywhere. You understand that kind of power? Are you starting? Because I don't know about you, I'd like to have some of that in my life. I'd like to experience some of that in my world. There are times and there are days that if not for this power being available to me, I don't make it. Mentally, I don't make it. Physically, I don't make it. Spiritually, I ain't got a chance. If not for this power. I, I, I want you to understand this, this isn't a power that is guaranteed and promised to any individual because they were born. It's guaranteed and promised to those who are born again. It's a specific group. Not everybody has access to it. But man, for those that do have access to it, wow. Wow. It's big. It's big. Keep going. I'm going to try to get as far along as I can. Um, chapter 3 in Ephesians, verse 14. Now, what did we just read about? What was Paul doing in what we just read? Anybody remember? Y'all don't forgot already? Uh, hey, listen, C's don't equal degrees in here. Y'all got to do better than this. Y'all got to tighten up. Go back to chapter 1. Oh, we ain't going until you get it. I'm just going to be honest with you. You got to understand this. What was Paul doing? Praying. praying. Thank you. Somebody answered. He was praying. We just, we just left in chapter 1 and Paul was praying for these things for these people, Right? Anybody want to take just a blind guess into what we're going to read next? What Paul going to be doing? He's going to be praying again. My man Paul spends a lot of time praying for his church. And listen, you go back. Whenever, you get, whenever we get done here this morning, I want you to do this. I want you to go back. And I want you to read back through Ephesians. Ephesians is not a very long book. It only got six chapters in it. And we're not done with it yet. But I want you to go through and, and read that and look at where he says he's praying. And I want you to look at the things... Paul is praying for. And I want you to circle all the physical things that Paul prays for for his church. I want you to write down every physical concern Paul has for these people. It's going to be a short list. Matter of fact, you may not need an ink pen to make it. 
Paul's concern for his church is not physical. Paul's concern for his people is spiritual. You know why? Because if our spiritual is right, does the physical matter? Man, that's easy for me to say. <laughs> that's a tough one to take out of here and wear. Because our carnal, our carnal, our DNA is physical. Everything we look at in our world is physical day in and day out. I mean, y'all going to jobs and suffering through them mugs. Why? Because you've got to have money to feed the kids. You've got to have money to keep the lights on. It ain't because you love it. You think I love laying out there in the 105 degree heat and grease and oil? I come home unrecognizable some nights. I don't love it, but I got to live. See, everything about us is physical. We have to. And again, it's a part of this curse. I'm not telling you you're going to hell if that's your mentality, because he ain't. But what we've got to do is come to the realization that everything that we face in this world has a spiritual element to it. We're going to get into talking about this uh, whole armor of God, and you've got to have the understanding of why that's necessary. Why is it even necessary for you to be finally... Fi Paul started off this morning with finally. He's bringing it all together, right? And what does he say? Finally. Be strong where? In the Lord. Well, what does that look like? All right, so let's go back to chapter... 3, verse 14. And this is some of the stuff I was telling you uh, we was in in Sunday school this morning. Chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What's Paul doing? From whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now this is another one of those scenarios I was telling you about earlier, if you go back into chapter 3, Paul's been talking about different, talking to different groups of people. And in, in chapter 14, uh, verse 14, he's he going to wrangle them all back in. That statement he just made about um, from whom every family in our heaven and earth is named, that's to remind us that we all came from one place. We was all created by one creator. Right? He's wrangling it back in and he's going back through it. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Woo! Slow down. According to the riches of His glory, what'd you do to earn it? What'd you do to deserve it? Huh? Where'd you pick up your copy at? Huh? Where'd you, where'd you get your allotment? How did you earn your allotment? How, how was it decided that you get this allotment and somebody else gets another one? You ain't got nothing to do with that. According to the riches of His glory, that He may grant you, you see this, to be strengthened with the power through His Spirit, so that you can run fast and pick up heavy stuff. No, we're not talking about that strength, are we? Well, what strength are we talking about? Your inner being. 
so that your spirit may be strengthened, so that spiritually you may be able to overcome whatever you face in this, in this battle. We're fixing to get into, not today, but in this study, we're fixing to get into being told to put on your suit of armor. Who puts on a suit of armor? Soldiers, warriors, people going into battle. Somehow, someway in this country, in this church, in, 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 in our society, we've somehow been convinced that the walk of a Christian is rose petals and gravy. It's just all good. There is no gravy. No, it's just hard. And most days it stinks to walk this path. As a matter of fact, it stinks so bad, you better have your armor on. Yet you and I walk out into this spiritual warfare and we, we face these spiritual fights and all we've got is a couple of, a couple of, of, of carnal tools. <laughs> and guess what happens? You get beat down every time. You can't win a spiritual battle with carnal weapons. Ever. <laughs> it's not going to work. So what we need to do is get more familiar with these spiritual weapons that we've been given and the first one that we're told that we got to have. Because it really, I'm telling you, if you keep reading where we just stopped reading in chapter 6, you'll see that he's fixing to start talking about spiritual warfare. I'm talking about powers. Right? He's talking about authorities of darkness. And if you think you're going to win in that battle without the strength of God, you are already lost. <laughs> you ain't no need you picking up nothing else because it's a done deal because you ain't capable no more than I'm capable. It's not about my strength. It's not about my knowledge. It's not about my wisdom and my abilities. It's about being able to fully rely on God. We have to find a way to do that. We've got to figure it out. There's a whole lot of suffering going on in our world today. Down a whole lot of different avenues. There's churches completely splitting and dividing over some of the issues that are, that are in our midst today. There are some churches that are completely walking off of this gospel. They have to be. It's the only way they can get to where they are. How does that happen? Because somebody went to battle with carnal tools and carnal weapons. Somebody wasn't studied up and prayed up and fully dependent on the strength of God. Listen, I have some hard stuff that Kevin and I both have to tell you from this pulpit. It's hard. But there ain't no way I can love you and not tell you the truth. Ain't possible. And here's another one of these truths. You can't. Here's another one of these truths. I can't. If we don't learn to fully depend on God's strength, God's wisdom, God's knowledge, we're not going to make it. We'll be just like those others and we'll be celebrating sin right here. Because it's happening. It's happening in churches this morning. Some pretty big churches. Some churches pretty close to home. 
they're celebrating sin this morning inside the walls of their church. Is it because they're evil people? I hope not because I'm evil people. Is it because they're not as smart as me? No, it don't take much to be as smart as me. Ask Thomas. Is, is, it because, is it because... Let me stop. You know why it is? It's because somebody got to one of these hard truths and couldn't find it in themselves to tell it. Because they was dependent upon their ability. God, I don't know how I'm going to tell these people this, but that ain't love. <laughs> whatever your battle is, whatever it is you're facing, whatever is going on in your life, I promise you there's a spiritual element to it. And you're not going to sustain whatever you're battling with carnal weapons. And the only way you're going to figure out how to use these spiritual weapons that God has issued is by the strength of His might. Remember, His strength looks like this. He took Christ from the grave and put Him in a place so far above everything else that even His name is above every other name. And not just on this world... That's the kind of strength, that's the kind of might, that's the kind of power that you and I need to navigate this world. And if we're trying to use anything else, we're going to fail. There's no need in discussing the whole armor of God until you have the understanding of this power and this strength and your need for it and my need for it. I'm not standing up here telling you this because I've mastered it. I still stink at it. I told you that. I give you an example from yesterday. It's tough. It's not what comes natural to your mind. It's not what comes natural to my mind. It's not the first place. It should be the first place I go. And I'm working on that and I'm digging towards that. And that's my goal. But I haven't made it there yet. And I found that out yesterday. Just yesterday. After spending two weeks giving all these people all this great advice, it comes home to roost yesterday, and guess who lost? Me! Loser! Loser! So I'm not up here trying to tell you this stuff like I've somehow mastered it and you need to catch up. I'm telling you we're in this fight together. And together you and I learn how to come together and make decisions based on God's wisdom, based on God's knowledge. We come together and find out how to walk through difficult situations in this world using God's strength and God's might and God's power. Not ours. And we learn it together. And we grow in it together. And somehow, someway, hopefully, prayerfully, in the end of this thing, ultimately above everything else, this church brings glory to God. That's the whole goal. So I hope nobody's heard me saying how I've mastered this, and I hope someday you... Even that stuff I started off with, we've had this conversation multiple times, even that stuff I started off with, with all that predestination, and He chose me, I don't get it. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I struggle with that. I don't get that. I don't understand all of that. But I'm trying. 
And I know the Scripture says it, and if the Scripture says it, it's there. It's true. And I've been shown a thousand times that the Scripture says it. I can't explain it to you. I can't. I can take you and show you what the Scripture says, but I don't get it. I'm not worth choosing for nothing. But I know this. If it come from here, it's non-debatable. I got to figure out how to get it and get with it and go with it. Because any other, any other version of that is not the true gospel. Any modifications I make to it makes it not the, the, the true gospel. And then all I'm doing is spreading lies if I'm spreading anything besides the true gospel. Right? Right. So, um, 